0: Welcome to the Prime Fitness Project. My name is Eric Giroux, co-founder of Prime Fitness in Gaithersburg, Maryland. Get ready to have a lot of fun as we talk exercise, nutrition, and weight loss. We're going to talk to real clients, trainers, and other wellness colleagues to help you lead your Prime Fitness life. Hey, what's up, podcast? It is Eric Giroux. It is... Uh, Monday on January fourteenth, and I am sitting down today with Mr. Anthony Anarino from Rehab to perform an amazing physical therapist up in Germantown, Maryland. And today we're going to talk a lot of stuff uh, when it comes to crossing the bridge between physical therapy and fitness and training, um, and how that gap kind of gets bridged, and you know the different things that we're seeing in both worlds. Because I think uh, one of the things that's pretty cool is we're going to get to see uh, a different scope from from both of our perspectives, uh, but it's going to kind of take us down the same road uh, of how we just want to get people moving better and feeling better over time. Um, uh, we came to know Anthony, uh, I guess back last spring, uh, when Christy, if you guys heard the last podcast, uh, Christy had to uh, go in... F- get ready for basically hip surgery we kind of knew it was going to happen she was really trying to stave it off but we kind of knew it was going to have to happen and so she spent eight weeks with Anthony you know doing some prehab uh, getting her hips stronger getting her legs ready to rock and roll before she had uh, total uh, labrum reconstruction and in that time uh, we came to know Anthony really well and the rehab to perform practice uh, we were blown away um, because those guys are doing physical therapy different than anybody else in this area. And it really gelled with mine and Christie's philosophies, with our belief systems in terms of, you know, how people are cared for when it comes to, uh, when it comes to physical therapy. And again, bridging that gap between uh, physical therapy and fitness, and getting people back to performing, and whatever performance means for for you—is it sport? Is it being able to play with your kids again? Is it able to you know walk up and down your stairs? I don't think it makes a difference. It's whatever your performance level is. Um, and then Christy had her surgery in uh, in July, and they worked together. I think she just graduated, right? Yeah, <laughs> she just graduated a couple of weeks ago from her first—I uh, mean—from physical therapy. I think Anthony finally said, it's time to go. <laughs> it's time to go, Christy. You don't need me anymore. Um, and uh, so she graduated with flying colors. Um, her surgeon was, you know, blown away by her progress as well, too. And uh, like we mentioned in the last podcast, she's running, she's jumping, she's doing pretty much whatever she wants. She's restriction-free. And, we, you know, we she owes it all to, uh, to Anthony and, you know, everything he was able to kind of do uh, with her and for her up in uh, rehab to perform. So without uh, without further ado, I want to introduce Anthony. How are you, sir? Doing very well. Good, man. Uh, thanks for thanks for coming out today yeah. and uh, and doing this. This is this is hopefully we can have a lot of fun. Um, tell me a little bit about your experience with
1: Christy. So first, uh, just honored and very happy to, to be on here today. It's <laughs> been it's been great getting to know you guys community. Um sorry, what was the question? How
0: yeah. I Oh yeah, you tell me a little bit about working with
1: Christy a little bit. Working with Christy, well so her her process again starting from a, a pre-surgical, so Looking at that, we try to see any options we can, we can do to you know, maybe see if we can get, get something where we can create more movement options to not have to go through, go through surgery, but it got to the point where it reached kind of the end of, end of my scope, and it was very clear that the, the surgery was, was indicated, um, but really from day one from working with her, uh, it, it made it easy because she came in with a really high level of, of fitness uh, from a baseline, which always makes the process easier. She had a high knowledge of, of movement and really just a, a dedication to, to the details. So really, anything that that we gave her or um, had her do, she was she was checking every box and, and doing it. So um, it was really fun because w- with her rehab process, like you said, she was she was there for quite a while with this. But we got to take her really from every step of the way, and a lot of times we can we can get you know seventy five, eighty percent way before having to uh, to move on. But we got to really you know make the cake and put the icing on and, and the cherry on top. So uh, really, really proud of her process and. Um, and good to see how she's doing now.
0: Yeah, she's. It was really uh, funny to uh, get her to stop holding hands because I think she wanted to. Like I think she would have continued physical therapy straight through till June of, till July of this year uh, if you hadn't said, okay, it's time to
1: go. I mean, honestly, I just I told him that like, Christy. You come in, like we hang out, we have a good time. But I, I have nothing else to give
0: you. <laughs> just, you just, you've blown through the extent of, of what I have. So yeah, no, that's that, that that's good. And I, I knew she was going to kind of tackle it that way. She went in with a lot of trepidation. You know, she'd never had major surgery before, so she went in with a lot of trepidation. And um, but uh, you know, she she came out like a rock star. Um, we 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 couldn't be more than pleased. And now we've sent, you know, we've had, we kind of felt lost for a while as a business because. We didn't we knew a bunch of physical therapists in the area I and mean, we've known a bunch in the area but none of them kind of like we felt got it, right? Or got us the way that you know we we wanted to we wanted to kind of, you know, send someone to. You know, people would ask us for recommendations all the time. Be like, "Yeah, you can go here for this, or you can go there for that." But nobody, there wasn't one person like, "Nope, you got to go here, and this is where it has to happen." And said, it's, "And it's worth the drive. I don't care if you live in, you know, you live in Bethesda. You should drive out to Rockville. You should drive out to Germantown, and get there." Um, so, we've now had some people out there who've had tremendous success coming out to see you, um, and it's crazy that the success that they see is in a very short period of time. Um, because, one, and I, I don't know if it's a combination of, you know, uh, they they understand the necessity to do homework uh, and do, you know, at-home exercises, things like that. Because I know compliance with that can be very hard in the physical therapy world, but these folks actually get it. Um, I see the folks that come in and see you, they come in here, and they're doing their homework exercises in here, either pre or post, you know, their work out here um, because they, they want to get better. So I think it's been a testament uh, to you guys uh, to see that we're getting people back on track pretty quickly. Um, how's that been, seeing everybody from us?
1: It's been great. I mean, everyone who's come in
0: from URIS community
1: has just been an absolute treat to work with. So um, as all our clinicians have, at some point in their career, worked in this in this type of place they've worked in a, in a fitness setting and have done whether it be athletic development or group fitness training so i think having that that ability to understand from your guys perspective what they are doing mm-hmm. and what they are looking to get back to helps to really streamline that process and it makes it fun for us because we know that you guys are on the other end to take care of a lot of the a lot of the big pieces mm. so we can focus in on some of the smaller details um, seeing that they already have a, a very good general movement capability
0: and a, and a good general fitness level. Oh, that's cool. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that. I know that they, uh, they've they been very appreciative of it, and I know that they uh, they only want to continue to get better. I know a few of them, you know, have already said, I don't know what I'm going to do when I leave. I'm like, "Don't we don't need another Christy. You need to be done when it's time to be done. It's okay. Um so that kind of leads us into a really great conversation, and it was kind of like what I wanted this to really be about today a little bit, and that is talking about bridging that gap, um, which I think for a few years kind of got muddled um, for some folks um, in terms of uh, bridging the gap between, you know, physical therapy and fitness, and where, you know... From our perspective, I mean, I'll, I'll let you kind of like hit it first. But from your perspective, when is it time for us to send someone to see a physical therapist, and then you know when is it time that you know maybe they need to see a, a grade above that might you know or a, a different level of where it's like an orthopedic surgeon or something like that. Um, but trying to educate people on the different steps, I think, is you know important, and so. You know, it, your thoughts on a little bit on like, you know, how do we get people to, you know, understand when, it's, when is it time? Sure. We look
1: at this con- this as a continuum. So there, there is your, on the left hand of the continuum is your, your pure medical, um, let's say maybe a physician, orthopedist. And on the far right side is your, your fitness practitioner, your strength conditioning coach. And then there's kind of this great area in the middle where the physical therapist sits, where the fitness practitioner sits. And really what we see is it's you know there's time there's several scenarios when there is a clear mechanism of injury that created a trauma um, broken bone you know a um, blown at knee that may be the time to, to go directly to an orthopedist um, we'll call those red light symptoms things mm-hmm. that are sharp immediate have a clear traumatic mechanism now in that blurry part of the continuum would be our more yellow light symptoms where things are kinda of coming on slow, they are more uh, dull, they are not something that is uh, really coming on fast and isn't necessarily progressing at an extreme rate. Mm. Those things may be more advantageous to be uh, checked out by a physical therapist and within our scope of practice it's something that we, we can dictate a physical therapy diagnosis and really deem whether. Uh, it is fit to go be seen by a physician or if something needs you know imaging or uh, any any further assessment that is not within the scope of a physical, physical therapist so uh, i think it's in those situations it's it's quite all right to come to the physical therapist first with especially with maryland being a, a direct access state for physical therapy meaning that for most insurances a script isn't needed or a physician doesn't need to be seen before uh, the physical therapist
0: does an evaluation i think that's a huge thing to touch on because a lot of people don't they don't yeah. know that you know, uh, that Maryland is a direct access state where you don't have to have, you know, again, unless your insurance dictates it, um, you don't have to have, you know, a physician referral to go see a physical therapist. And when I tell people that for the first time, they're like, oh, I don't have to see my doctor first. I'm yeah. like, no, you, you can skip that step if you want to, because we might be able to get you down, the, you know, get you feeling better and right. save a copay or three right. and, uh, you know, get you, you know, get you save some time and some energy. Right. I think that's a huge thing that a lot of people just don't it, know about. It really does help to streamline the process. Mm-hmm.
1: And like I said, there was there's our training is, is is built to dictate when when are they acceptable to be in our be in our course of care. Mm-hmm. Uh, when physical therapy school switched from the two year master's to three year doctorate degree, that that extra year really focused on uh, evaluation and assessment of when is this out of my scope of practice. So uh, I, I think it helps to streamline things and really hopefully helps to save the healthcare system some some much needed money.
0: Yeah, I agree. I you, you know you. Interesting, you bring up the whole like switch from the master's to the DPT program. I think that was like one of the greatest things that ever happened um, for a physical therapists because um, it, uh, I think it gave a different level of, I hate using the word legitimacy, but it really did. Um, uh, because you guys can now have a, like you're saying, since it focused so much more on evaluation and assessment, it just took it to a whole different level. And I think it was one of the greatest things that happened because. You know people have a, a much It sounds like crap but like people have a much more trusting you know feeling when it says doctor of physical therapy sure. versus just physical therapist and so uh, I think it just really helped sure I
1: think it's just I mean from the from the physical therapist mentality as well as far as the consumer it's a it's a level of autonomy that I think just really helped to mature our field mm. that's oh that's a, ooh, I like that mature the
0: field oh I like that that's kind of <laughs> I like that um, okay so you know, from our perspective, you know, when I think of, uh, you know, my part of my background for years was you know working. I worked for a physical therapist, and I really got into, you know, the the concept of corrective exercise and you know of uh, uh, studying movement based training a little bit more. And and I think I you know I've talked to you about this on, you know, offline where you know I, I found a lot of people that are going into physical therapy just needed better exercise programming at the time. Sure and um because back you know when i got to work in physical therapy one of the things that i i witnessed was just kind of like that mill factory approach um and you know i didn't i didn't really feel like everybody needed to be there and uh so for me nowadays when someone says hey eric you know xyz hurts i'm like okay well let's have a little bit more information about the xyz hurting And if, you know, if I give them a series of, you know, homework exercises that I think could potentially, you know, help the issue, if one of two things for me, if one, they're not compliant with doing, you know, the exercises... Uh, or two, they're just not getting better within a short period of time, and, and that period of time for me is usually within seven to ten days. Sure. And if what I'm what I'm saying, is, you know, this isn't helping you relieve your pain, then then it's time for me to ship you off and say you got to see somebody else, because now it's beyond my it's it's beyond my scope of practice at the moment to keep digging in any deeper. Um, so for me, that's number one, and that happens, you know, I, I think the three big areas of of discomfort or pain or chronic, you know, discomfort is going to be the knees, the lumbar region and the shoulders, anterior shoulders, you know. And for the most part, when I look at why this is happening for me, it's always usually postural, you know, when I when I kind of take a look at most folks. But if it's not, you know, I can use a couple clients right now, I mean, I won't name names, but, you know, who have had some serious knee issues. But and nothing I was doing was like helping them, and I was like, it's time to time to go see our people right. up there. Um, I think that becomes a big <clears throat> understanding for a lot of trainers is when, you know, when do you uh, when do you get them shipped off and go send them to somebody else that's you know got better uh, better knowledge, a better assessment knowledge. And I think that was one of the things that I, I loved about you guys was the evaluation and assessment process was high. So from from our standpoint, you know, you know, I would say that you know, we. We kind of try and help them as best we can, but if we can't, then, you know, we got got to get them feeling better some way so they can get back to doing what they're doing in here. Um, If you had to kind of pick, and this might be kind of bouncing around a little bit, what are some of the more common things that you're seeing right now in terms of injuries? So
1: what I would say that one of the bigger things we see are what you may dictate as like an overuse injury Mm -hmm. or... We'll more deem it like an under preparation injury. It's so a different and just very rich layer, but I think <laughs> I think there's a, mean, a meaningful uh, per, a meaningful difference there. So what we'll see is is differences in there's a concept um, known as the acute versus chronic workload ratio that mm-hmm. that I, uh, a researcher named Tim Gabbett uh, published. So what that means is that if we have a our acute workload is what we've done over maybe one session or over a week. Versus our chronic workload is what we've done over the last several months, composite. So we can look at it as the difference between your, like your savings account and your checking account mm-hmm. and a credit card bill. So that acute workload can be like a credit card bill. If that credit card bill is way higher than what our checking account can cover, then we run into some trouble there. And it could be so, same thing. with. So what that means is say I have one really intense workout that really goes past my threshold. It, it makes the credit card bill too high that I can, that I can cover. Um, that's when we start running into issues. We're okay. underprepared for the task that we are, are set to do. So that can manifest in a number of different ways. It can manifest as onset of knee pain because maybe I had to go into a strategy that wasn't as efficient or as optimal for my body hmm. to handle. And now in order to survive that challenge, I had, to, I had to maybe use a less optimal strategy and that can start to elicit some pain.
0: When you say a less optimal strategy, like so. I get what you're saying. Do you mean like creating compensation patterns? Yeah. Okay, yeah, absolutely. Um, because I think that that people understand that you know when they when they compensate their movement in some way, shape, or form to kind of keep themselves moving, you know, through their workouts or whatever. Sure, um, yeah, man, I think that's that's key. That is a, such a big thing when it comes to being underprepared for whatever it is, and right. That's hard because how do you tell somebody, eh, you know, maybe you shouldn't shouldn't do that yet? I know you really want to. Um, And I, you know, that, but that's really hard because, you know, people want to try things. They want to keep, you know, doing stuff. They want to keep, you know, working hard. Um, But if their bodies aren't ready for it, uh, I I think it's that, you know, it can manifest itself in, uh, in in definitely some, some bad chronic issues. Do you, you know, when you're looking at movement, do you believe that there's one, perfect, you know, movement pattern for each, you know, one of the, 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 big movement patterns or, you know, how would you, this might be a whole nother podcast for us. I don't know. I, I might not want to do this right now because yeah. <laughs> this could, this could go deeper. um But, you know, do you think, do you look at somebody and say, do you break it down so much um, that they shouldn't be doing what it is they're doing? I, and I, the most, like the, the one that pops in my head the most is like the squat pattern. Sure. Because it's the easiest to kind of like evaluate like on the fly. Um, do you think there's like one perfect squat pattern?
1: I do not no. Okay. I think, I think, uh, there is, there should be a number of, of optimals that are more related to the task at hand. So mm. really we look at this concept, concept known as movement variability or more simply how many movement options do you have? So there's some research showing that if I have too few movement options, my risk of injury goes up. If I have too many movement options or can't control those movement options, my risk of injury goes up. So it seems to be this movement option or variability sweet spot. Hmm. So the way we look at it and the way we explain it to, to patients a lot of time is, think about if, if your movement options is, is like letters in the alphabet. If I'm only working with half my alphabet, how many words can I make? You know, How many sentences can I write out? Then how many paragraphs? And how good is my novel going to be if I only have half <laughs> like the that. alphabet available to me, right? So... When you look at that, if, I, if I'm working with limited movement options, then you're typically going to be doing the same pattern over and over and over again. Now we talk about, talk about these overuse or unpreparedness type injuries. That might come on a lot faster because I'm not really sharing the load too much. So like you said, a squat assessment. Well, we might see is someone squatting and mm, everything they do, that they shift right. Mm-hmm. Huh, so they're, they're probably loading their right hip a little bit more. So now over the course of a workout where they're doing... You know, 50, 60 squats, that right hip's getting a lot of the load. So sure. I might be, be overloading that side a little bit, a little bit much. So uh, from our process, we look, hey, can I open up those movement options? And then can I teach them to control those movement options to the point where now they're dispersing the load a little bit better?
0: Yeah. I think, too, when you talk about something like that, as for some eyes, watching weight shift, and again, this could be a whole other podcast, was sure. really good, watching weight shift can really be subtle. Yes. It can be something really sudden. You've got to really know what you're looking for to watch weight shape. because i oftentimes I find it's not as gross and exaggerated as we want it to sure. be. Absolutely. You know, and it's uh but when it is gross and exaggerated, when you see it happen, you're like, Oh oh man, there it is. Right. Um that you know, that's good. Because I, one of the things I, I I'll be honest, me personally, for years, I was kind of like in this rigid box of like, Okay, you've gotta squat this way, you've gotta do a push up sure. this way and um you know where I learned that from, you know, definitely gave me the, the the insight to at least first off start analyzing movement, number one. So that was okay. But what I then quickly realized, you know, as I got more intelligent when it came to training and looking at movement was, okay, so not everybody's going to, and again, what we'll keeps thinking about the squat for right now, because is going to squat the same um, because, a bunch of reasons. We don't know environmental factors that sure. they've had over the years. Uh, two, you know, we uh, we don't know what the anatomy of their bony structure is on the inside. You know, we don't know. Uh, we don't know. There's a lot of things we don't. There's so many variables. Sure. So to say like, hey, you need to do it just this way and this is the only way is I think um irresponsible sure so i like that you know we get to have a little backup there and and when i can kind of say that there is no one perfect way to do that but uh and i know that we you know we kind of base everything around you know being able to maintain planking positions and you know if we can plank well uh through our movement patterns then you know the proximal stability will lead to distal mobility a whole lot more i think that kind of is in our scope of like hey what should be stable? What should be mobile? And get that into a better movement pattern for that human being, for that person, whatever that person's doing. So I think that's pretty. Uh, that's that's good, man. It sure. makes me happy to know that we've got uh, backup out there,
1: right? And I think it's important to state that as as the intensity of the movement goes up, I'll say as the load goes up, as the speed goes up, the room for air and probably the number of options that are optimal for that position, really. Do go down, right? <laughs> Narrow, big so, time. Yeah, that's yeah, what we're man. trying to. Is there an is there an optimal? I wouldn't say there's one optimal, but there there's less and less strategies that are that are efficient and
0: most uh, safe to get that that position done well. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I so we think about things like that. You know, you look at if we're gonna stick with the squat idea. You know, you look at just a basic bodyweight squat sure. all the way up to, we'll say a. A box jump you know which is basically a dynamic squat right. pattern plyometric squat pattern if you don't have if you haven't built you know the baseline down here at the bottom there's no way you should be trying to in, you know right. incorporate leaving the ground and putting speed into it
1: right yeah so the squat pattern goes uh, you know full spectrum that the can i poop in the woods squat is much <laughs> different than the can i you know blow out a one rep max squat right, right. absolutely so, different world exactly yep
0: totally different worlds yeah i don't know i mean it's uh and it, it's interesting to, to kind of see that. So when, uh, that's a whole other podcast, that's a, man, we could totally go on a whole nother podcast. Part two, part, yeah, two. part two, man, we will. Um, okay. So, you know, we'll, one of the things that I kind of will we'll dance a little bit around, we won't, you know, we won't spend a lot of time on it too, is I want to kind of touch on, you know, one of the big trends that's happening in this area, um, with physical therapists is a lot of them are, you started to go a little more cash based, you know, cash in hand, you know, for physical therapy. And, right. um, which is frustrating for some because they're not taking insurance sure. anymore. Um, but what it's allowing them to do, a lot of those physical therapists do, is is really work <clears throat> uh, the way they want to work for the length of period of time they want to work with, with a patient uh, to get them feeling, you know, optimal. And what I found too is when that's happening, the, the number of sessions they're being seen is probably fewer. Sure. Um, what do you think the why that why that big trend is happening a little bit there?
1: So, I, I think that a lot of physical therapists, as again, as we gain more autonomy in our field, are, are starting to dictate what they want their practice and their concept of patient care to look like. Mm-hmm. And for some, that they do not feel they're able to do that within the boundaries of, of what an insurance practice dictates from a reimbursement or just from a logistical standpoint. Mm-hmm. So, some want the ability to really call their own shots somewhat from a um, this is what I'm worth financially. And this is the way, how long I want to see patients. And this is the way I want to, want to do things. Um, so I think there's positives and negatives to that. And, and really it's one of those things where you look at and say, as a, as a clinician, what do I want to be on offer? And then how do I fit my business model around
0: my concept of optimal care? Mm. And that, I love that, you know, uh, because I think it has freed up some PTs a great deal. Sure. Um, but you guys have managed to kind of maintain that high level and still take insurance, um, which I think is awesome. Uh, I think it's a, a, a huge you know benefit. Uh, I think people will you know, it's tough. I mean, some people have no problem shell all the money out of pocket sure. to go and pay for that you know, and but some people won't and. Uh, so they'll they'll want to you know be able to bill it to their insurance. So I think that you guys have been able to do it and maintain the integrity of what you guys have wanted has been pretty high. I love that. Um, makes for a, a big uh, makes it easy for us. Like when sure. we say <laughs> when the, one of the first questions is do they take insurance because I know some people don't. You know nowadays that makes it an easier easier you know follow through for us. Um, that's awesome. I think I think you know we'll see. Yeah, like I said it's a trend in this area a little bit that I've noticed the past couple of years, and I don't know, I don't know if it's going to keep up or if it's going to kind of slow down at all. But um, I know that you know, for our standpoint, you know, we'll, we we appreciate that you guys still take insurance for sure.
1: And what I think works best for us and within that model is is the prior prioritization of empowering the patient from day one. It's Here's what you're going to do in here and here's how we can maximize time and our efficiency of, of care by you taking care of this outside of here so really building up that home exercise program and integrating with people like yourself really helps
0: us be more effective with the time that we do have mm. I, I know that that was one of my my biggest gripes was patient compliance with homework programs sure. like you know it even before you know you guys when somebody would come in and I'd send them to a physical therapist and they'd say, well, things are still hurting. And then I first thing I'd ask him is, well, how's your homework program? Sure. Well, I'm not doing it. Well, you're kind of missing the boat. <laughs> you gotta kind of there's got to be a level of compliance here that you got to be willing to put in the work to kind of uh, to get back to because you, know, you can't rely on you know you guys completely. It's got to be some you know yeah you know, you, they've got to have some some investment into it in terms of their time and their dedication to getting themselves better for sure. No, that's true. And uh, you know I. I always like to use the the terminology, what's optimal, what's beneficial. Sure. You know, so is there still benefit from seeing, you know, and not doing your homework, you know, program? Absolutely. There's still benefit from it. But is it the optimal, you're going to get the optimal gains or the optimal, you know, outcome out of it? Probably not, you know, by not following those things. And so we talk about that all the time. When someone says, what's the best way to do this exercise? Well, I was like, well, there's beneficial and then there's optimal. I right. say, so there's, you've got, you've got this spectrum here. And so you know, if you don't do it perfect, is there still benefit to it? Sure, but can we make it better by doing it perfect? You know, we're trying to yeah, execute as perfect as possible. That's cool. Um, all right, let's see. We got into that. We got into that. We talked about PT and training. I don't know. You got any cool questions for me? Uh,
1: what's the thing from from the physical therapist perspective? I want to know what as it, from a trainer,
0: what makes an effective physical therapist? Well, number one. From from me personally, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> for me personally, we got to speak the same language. Absolutely, we've got to like, and it doesn't necessarily have to be like the same beliefs, but at least the same value system when it comes to you know movement. That's number one. Um, and then two, um, in speaking that same language, that typically will kind of roll right into the uh, the assessment and um, evaluation part of it all, because. In speaking the same language, I know that the assessment and evaluation part of it all is going to be very similar to what I understand and the way, you know, I kind of assess and evaluate that way. Um, and then I think, you know, I think every every PT would say this, that their, that their care level is number one, but to really show that your care level is the highest, that, that you've got the patient care is, you know, is the most important step of it all. And so, I you know, I... I could care less, you know, where you went to school. I could care less, you know, all that sort of stuff. You know, I just want to know that, you know, can I talk to you? Are you, ex- are you, you know, can we have the same kind of conversation? You know, can we, uh, can we collaborate and help together? Um, and, you know, is, is your patient care, you know, the, the priority for you when it comes to a physical therapist? That's pretty much it. I don't think it's anything, anything super, you know, Super out of the box, but I think I think being able to speak the same language. I don't. Know, I don't know if that being vague
1: is that being vague. <laughs> no, I think that's. I think it's perfect because I mean, from from my personal experience, I've worked. I've worked in a group training setting. I've worked in a athletic performance setting prior to and during physical therapy school. Um, so I've been on the side where I've been a trainer working with physical therapists, and the times where again when they understand what you're doing, when they understand. Um, the language you're speaking, it's it makes all difference in the world. Uh, as far as how are you modifying things? What am I clear to do? What are what is my uh, trainable menu of of things that I can work with this person on? And having that, to, I think just openistic communication is is vital mm. for for best interest in the in the person and the just really having patient centered or client centered care. Yeah,
0: I agree. Man, I I 100 agree. I I be... I have worked with a you know, a couple guys, gals that were very rigid and didn't actually want to talk to me, and I didn't really understand that, sure. you know. I didn't really kind of get like, well, they're going to spend more time in my doors than they mm-hmm. are in yours, you Absolutely. know, and so let's uh, let's have a better
1: conversation. Absolutely, <laughs> and that's, I think, from from the physical therapist's perspective, with what makes a good trainer is someone who's adaptable, um, who is able to, to make modifications and, again, speak that language to, you know, Here's our point A. Here's our point B. How how do we both work within our scopes to get this person there as fast as possible? So, you guys do a great job of of adapting things and checking in with us and just having a clear communication and um, making yeah making modifications as needed for hmm. for your clients. So sure.
0: I mean I, I don't see any other way to do it.
1: I don't, I just you know it's the way
0: you gotta you gotta do it that way.
1: Right. There's there's always this you know point A is injured and point B is fully healthy. There's this Big gray area <laughs> in between where you know training doesn't need to stop. Mm-mm. Training needs to be modified, and, and it, it's our goal in, to to limit training as little as possible. Yeah, to change as, as as few variables as possible to keep training load high and keep someone engaged in what they're doing, um, and, and would, in what way possible. That's just limiting only upper body stuff, only lower body. Because I know the people coming in your doors are, are love the community aspect of it. It's it's their tribe, so taking them away from that really hurts other aspects of their life other than just fitness. So how do we adapt things without taking
0: things too much stuff away? That's awesome. You know, part of one of the umbrellas of this whole podcast is to talk about, you know, over the time is to talk about the extremes. And I think one of the things that, that frustrates me sometimes is when, you know, it could be a doctor, it could be a PT, it could be somebody or a physician that just says, you can't do this. Yes. Right. Stop doing this. Because you're going to make it worse. Well, that's not necessarily true. I, I think the idea of understanding how to modify and and you know move things through um, instead of just being so not finding that gray area. I think the gray area is kind of where we live. Sure. And I think that's that's an important thing. You know, when you when it comes to you know when a lot of trainers get started, they're when they're in their first year or two. Most of them, and I'm you know I'm not going to say everybody, sure. but most of them their their knowledge of movement is so minimal mm-hmm. they know reps sets and they know how to bench press and they know how to, but they don't understand the why behind why right. they're doing that and i think that's one of the things that if if every trainer would go and spend six months you know with you know in a, in a physical therapy place or that kind of thing and just get themselves a little more educated on like hey you know, these are things that are going to help you in your training world. I think would do the training world a whole lot of good. I'm also the one of the guys that stands up and says, "Trainers need licenses and not certifications." Mm-hmm. I stand up on that shelf all the time. I said, "We need to get there." Right. I'm a tremendous advocate of, of vice versa.
1: Physical therapists need to do as best they can to understand what people are doing outside the clinic. Mm. So, I think you don't need to be a strength and conditioning coach to be an effective physical therapist, but you need to understand what they do. Mm-hmm. You need to understand what those movements entail and, and what. Really is behind gaining gaining increased fitness and what those demands are. So I think having some some understanding of that, and I I'm a, I tell all students or uh, physical therapy students or undergraduate students looking to go into this, say start training people if you can to start under, start working with people as soon as possible and understanding what that fitness world looks like. Mm. Become a better coach and go hang out in a in a fitness um, in a fitness business or strength conditioning business, just to be around it, to understand what what movement looks like, how to coach movement, and at a higher level of fitness, what things look like. Because a lot of your people are going to come in either needing that higher level of fitness and needing a route to get there, or coming from that area where they're looking to get back to it. So having empathy and understanding what that looks like, is, I think it's vital. It's, mm. it's not something that's, that's truly touched on in, in school a great deal.
0: That's in the that is a, a huge point. And uh, I'm you know, I've had my doors open for PTs to come in and, you know, like quote unquote intern here for sure. a little bit if they wanted to and we've always offered that. That's and awesome. I, I think that the the other thing too is that most people that come into a training facility like this, right, where it's not just a health club or a gym. I'll be honest. the the majority, not everyone, but the majority of them are going to be you know 35 and older, and they're going to have a host of you know they're they're not coming in to be bodybuilders. they're not coming into sure. you know so understanding you know movement you know from both sides like you're talking about I think becomes critically important and the reasons why they want to get back to you know feeling better whether it be you know their fitness world or whether it be their physical therapy world and I think it's I think it's that's that's key man. All right, cool. Um, what else? We got anything else? It's been good, Eric. Well, you guys <laughs> it's been good, yeah? Yeah, been fun. yeah. yeah, man. So uh, I think we hit on everything we wanted to hit on today. I, you know, I really am glad you were able to kind of come down and uh, we get this in. Um, you know, a little plug. You know, the guys up at Rehab to perform up in Germantown, Maryland. Uh, like I said, you guys can't go wrong with uh, if you've got physical therapy needs. You know, this is the place to appreciate go. that. <laughs> it's the place to go. And uh, and I do know there's another office opening at some point, all right? Yeah,
1: we are uh, we're going to be open down in North Bethesda, tentatively late summer,
0: early fall. That's right. That's what we're looking to, so keep an eye out for that. That'll make it easier for our Down County folks uh, instead of having to go to Germantown. We'll be excited to kind of have that opening. Yes, yeah, sir. So we're expi- excited to expand down that way. And you're going down to that one, is that right? I am. Yes. Okay. I'll be moving down that's, that's cool. That way, that's, and what that I'm one up. that's what I thought. I heard that rumor. Yes, sir. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right, cool, man. Well, I think that's everything. Um, I appreciate it. Thanks for coming out today. Um, you know, we uh, I, kept it, I kept it under an hour, which is what I really wanted to do today yes. because I know we could have sat here and talked for forever. We'll have to um, do a part two. We'll have to do a part two, and we'll talk all about movement one day, and hopefully that won't make everybody – that might just make the movement nerds want to kind of hang out and listen Love. to us. And probably the other people probably won't want to, can, us to talk man, about it. We can it. get into the woods there. Right? That's right. We can go in, <laughs> that's fine. Cool, man. I appreciate it. Podcast, that's it for today. I hope everybody's having a great time. I hope you're enjoying the snow, if you're out in the snow here in the D.C. area. uh, Keep your ears open. Make sure you uh, subscribe. Make sure you follow all that good stuff. And uh, we will talk to you guys soon. Have a great day.